Hello, and welcome to another episode of People Who Suffer, a podcast dedicated to helping those of us who suffer, suffer a little bit less. And I'm going to get right to the point today. The last uh, episode that I recorded was on the one mental illness. And I went into some detail about um, how I've learned about there being one mental illness and what that one mental illness is. It's chronic mental stress. And um, there are many inside the, uh, the psychological community now that, that see it that way. There are also lots of those who don't, lots of those who still buy into the, uh, the paradigm of m- multiple mental illnesses. Um, but today I'm going to talk about the things that mostly contribute to that chronic mental stress and keep us from having an experience of understanding. Now, understanding is the antidote to mental illness. Understanding is the antidote to suffering. Understanding is the antidote to conflict. It is the remedy for really every problem that we have. And understanding doesn't just have one name. Understanding is love. Love is understanding. Understanding is forgiveness. Um, I'm going to do an entire podcast on getting to know what forgiveness really is. And I probably could sum it up in one sentence. Forgiveness is understanding. What is understanding? I am. And when I know that, then I see from understanding and I forgive. But I'll go into that later with with stories of forgiveness and and how that shows up in our lives. But um, today we're just going to talk about the multitude of ways that we can notice that our mental stress is becoming more and more chronic and then what to do about it. Um, As we have more things to think about, then the obvious outcome of that, and I, I get that it sounds very simple, but we tend not to see things in a simple way. We tend to see them in a complex way, and we tend to have this word in our minds at all times creating challenge for us. And this word is why. Like, why are people like this? Why are people treating me this way? Why isn't life easier? Why do I feel so bad? Why am I broken? Why am I different? Why is everyone doing well and I'm not? Why, 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 why? Well, every one of those whys exists because it hasn't come in contact with understanding. So if you have a question that is why, and you suddenly touch that question with understanding, then the why is resolved and it goes away. Now, I know this sounds outrageously simple, and it is. But it's not easy to get to the point where we live from the simplicity because our identities are not set up to seek out simplicity. They are 
habitual seekers of complexity and they want to understand the complex so that we feel smarter than other people we feel like we get it and other people don't um and and in in this world of comparison where comparison is so often the first move for everyone we um we use comparison as a tool kind of to take our experience down or raise our experience up and the only way that our experience of life can go down or up is if we have a standard by which we judge it which means that we have an idea of how it's supposed to be so i'm living this life and this life when i see it as ultimately important then it it becomes the be all and end all of of what goes on and i then find myself trying to make this life be everything it should be and more now that's all fine and good except for the fact that when we are trying to force our lives into some sort of an outcome they don't tend to work out very well because the forcing of that outcome creates tension in our moments and sabotages our moments so we we find ourselves not living in presence and again uh, what is presence i am presence is a name that is given to describe the spiritual truth of who i am outside of my physical experience and um i was working with a client today who is understanding things pretty quickly and i i love the the chance that i have in that kind of a conversation to just be really matter of fact i i don't get really woo woo um you know woo woo california spiritual and and i don't find myself often in this voice feel the love around you feel the, the nature of your spirit i get that that's an option and there are some people that connect to that i find myself more drawn to the feeling that comes from seeing things from simpl- simplicity without this thing called affectation without living to, into an image of what i think that spirituality is um because whatever image i may have of it is is not what it is because the every image we have of everything is manufactured to give us an understanding in our intellect of something that it's pointing towards so here's the nature of things we are spiritual beings having a physical experience and if right now i notice the physical experience i'm having and i listen to the words i'm listening to and go oh okay so i've got a brain that's taking this in and if i weren't alive right now i would i would be hearing this all in a very different way because i wouldn't have this brain to be processing 
and, and trying to make sense of. So the quieter my brain can get, the more access I have to my spiritual nature, which lives within me, which was before I came, which will be after I leave. And when I say came and leave, I'm talking about this experience called life. I arrived here on this planet for my experience of life in 1970. I get that a lot of you listening to this arrived much later. And that's really cool because you have a lot more time left, probably, in your experience of life than I have. And you realizing more clearly the difference between your spiritual nature and your physical nature at an early age allows you to connect with that spiritual nature for a longer period of time. So let's go from that into talking about some of the things that create chronic mental stress, which again is the one mental illness which manifests itself in whatever way our brains have a tendency to defend themselves against that chronic mental stress. So let me, let me talk now about one of the major ways. And this comes from the strength of your identity, how attached you are to your identity. And again, identity is comprised of all the thoughts we have about who we think we are and how we think things should be, including how we think everyone else should be not just in relation to how they're living their lives, but how they live their lives with respect to us, how people interact with us. And and, and I'll put it into this sentence. The more rules we have for people around us, the more our life is going to feel difficult. Um, The great investor Warren Buffett said there's one piece of advice to living a, a happy, successful marriage. And it's not having your finances in order. It's not, uh, I think he lists a number of other things, but then he, then he lists something that almost sounds like it's a joke. And the truth is often said in jest. And, and as a matter of fact, it's, it's almost always said in jest because if it's not said in jest, it may, uh, it may not be heard because things that are not said in jest, um, as a joke, our identities tend to uh, turn their defenses up and, and shut out things that don't keep us lighthearted, that don't have us kind of laughing. So um, he said, the, the thing that will contribute the most to a successful marriage is low expectations. Now, there's a load of truth in this. Because, our, because what are expectations? Expectations are these unspoken rules that we walk around with about how others are supposed to be in our presence. And this is a recipe for disaster. Um, Because the possibility of having everyone meet your expectations, having them meet all of your expectations, even having them meet any of your expectations is so low that you're setting yourself up for a failed life experience. 
And so letting go of expectation is one of the greatest things that we can do. And how do we do it? Well, we do it by seeing it for what it is and noticing from understanding the unnecessary nature of it. Now, that is very different than working on removing expectations. Did you hear the language in that? Working. This is not work. And the more we see it as work, the more difficult it will be for us and the more unlikely it will be that we achieve it. It is not work. It is just seeing things for what they are. Now, when we slow down and allow our brains to quiet, then we have access to our inner spiritual world. And I will talk about this from every direction for as long as I do these recordings. That uh, So it helps you see it, just get a glimpse of it. If your brain were silent right now, not contributing to your experience at all, well, first of all, we wouldn't be alive. We need our brains to be contributing somewhat to our experience just to keep us alive. But if they're just doing the bare minimum and keeping our physiology functioning, then they don't really need to do a lot beyond that um, when we're, we're sitting and, and trying to feel a certain way or wanting to feel a certain way. So when our, our, our thinking gets very quiet, and again, I'll repeat this again, because I know you probably haven't listened to all of these recordings. And let me say this too, on every recording, there's something different. There's huge value, I think, in going back and hearing previous recordings, particularly the ones early on, my first couple of episodes where I talk about how I came to the understanding that has led me to doing this podcast and working with people in the way that I work with them. Um, yeah, so there's there's lots of value in, in going back and hearing those things. And um, Sidney Banks, uh, the great Scottish mystic who I've mentioned here many times, he uh, he quoted from, and I'm not sure it's a direct quote, it's, it's probably more a, a paraphrase, but he said that the Buddha has shared that the greatest state that anyone can ever achieve is the state of no thought. The state of no thought. Because from the state of no thought, we experience everything as purely and uncontaminated as a human can. And that is where pure joy lives. That is where pure understanding lives. That is where pure love lives. We, we are those things, and they're not all different things. They're all the same thing. They're us. So if we can find the space of, of quiet mind, then we will see from understanding, and we will recognize the completely unnecessary nature of expectations of others. Now, in the world that we want to create for ourselves, given that we do have this opportunity to be alive, to have this life, 
to experience lots of wonderful things. You know, other things that may not feel as wonderful as well, but in hindsight, we often can see that they are wonderful. Um, so we have this opportunity, and from uh, and and from that vantage point, we then get to create agreements with ourselves and others, and agreements leave expectation out of it because they bring they bring the unspoken into the spoken they bring clarity into the unclear and the clearer we can make our agreements with ourselves and with others about what we would like to create then the clearer we will see the destructive nature of expectation now i have a an audio recording that is one of the best audio recordings i've ever heard it's by Steve Chandler, my coach and mentor and friend. Um, he does this brilliant little audio on agreement versus expectation. If any of you want that, please reach out to me through either DMing me on uh, Instagram at Andrew McKee Coach or going to my website and using the contact me forms, shoot me an email and say, hey, you mentioned on your podcast that you have this recording. I would really love to have it. And I will send that out to you. So understanding, which again, we have access to when our minds are quiet, uh, sees things for what they are, makes it very simple, And we can speak about it in a very matter-of-fact sort of way, absent of any sort of image of how it's supposed to be. Now, you all know people, and you may be one of them yourself, who has lots of expectations for how they are supposed to be treated, how people are supposed to be to them, and they want to go around and enroll people into their vision of expectations. And so they have all sorts of rules about how people are supposed to be when they're around them. Now, let me ask you this question. Is that fun? Is that an enjoyable experience for you? I would say that it's, it's probably not. And by probably, I mean it's not. When people have all these unwritten rules about how others are supposed to be, and again, those unwritten rules are not spoken, not clear, unable to be lived up to, that will create disappointment, that will create bother. And I often say this, that if you're bothered by one person, don't worry, the rest are soon to follow you'll soon be bothered by all of them. And that's because you're living in a state of bother. And your state is no respecter of persons. Your state impacts how you see pretty much everything going on in your life. Now, so again, let's go back to how do we drop these rules? How do we drop these rules? Well, the first thing we do is we recognize the difference between who we are and who we think we are. And when we do that, we cease trying to protect ourselves from feeling bad. 
As soon as we stop trying to protect ourselves from feeling bad, we then start looking outward and noticing and thinking about and seeing people other than ourselves, seeing people or at least other than the self we think we are. And when we focus on self, what we're really doing is focusing on identity. And identity turns inward and looks at itself all the time to measure itself against some standard that it should live up to, to measure itself against its perception of how others are living, to measure itself against an image that it has read about in some book. And this becomes not live upable. You cannot live up to an image. Um, it, without burning yourself out, without running into just so much trouble in your life. Now, people mishear me when I talk about this sometimes, and they think, well, am I supposed to just be nothing? Am I supposed to just have no expectations of life? No, and that's not it at all. When you find yourself in stillness, you actually feel better and then you find yourself more engaged in this experience called life than you ever could have when you were living from a desire to live up to an image. Because you're not constantly confronted with feeling terrible, which takes you out of the wanting to live life. It takes you into a world of avoidance. It takes you into a world of needing to isolate yourself, to protect yourself. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired of people. I've got to get away. Oh my gosh, I'm so burned out at work. I can't go there anymore. Oh my gosh, I can't stand where I live. I've got to move. These are all functions of attachment to identity and walking around with rules about how the world is supposed to conform to my view of it and what it should be. Now, when we live in understanding, we see the world for what it is. We understand it, and then we get to interact with it by choice rather than by being compelled. So th this can sound like a complicated conversation, but it's not. Every one of these rules, let's say I have a rule about how people are supposed to um, greet me. They're supposed to greet me with a smile and, uh, and a hug or a handshake. And, and, and there are some people who know that, who may know that about me if I have that expectation. So that's the way they greet me. And those people don't create challenge for me immediately. <laughs> but let's be clear. If I've got an expectation that everyone is supposed to greet me a certain way, that's not the end of the expectations I walk around with. I've got a lot more. But, but then I run into a, a person who doesn't greet me with a smile, doesn't say hello, doesn't, and I immediately look at them and think, oh, they don't like me. Or, even worse, I don't like them. These are awful people. And I immediately place a label on them. Well, I think that most of us would qualify for any label that exists in the world. 
at one time or another, some of us have lived in a way that qualifies for most of the labels available to describe another human. And if that, if those labels were true and permanent, then we would be those people. So, oh my gosh, this leads me to something that I don't think I'm going to have time to go into today. This deserves, again, a conversation all its own. But I want to invite you to beware, very, very much be aware and beware of advice that has you protecting your identity. Because it isn't going to lead you to a good place. Like if someone's giving you advice to cut other people out of your life for this reason or for that reason, um, you're, you're going to be in for a life of suffering because you'll be constantly looking uh, on the lookout for who you need to cut out of your life next and judging people on your first experience with them to see if they qualify as being people that should be in your life or should be out of your life. When the reality is, every person that we run into at any given time could be having the worst day of their lives. And those people may be delightful 90% of the other time that they're living, but the day that we run into them, someone just ran over their cat and they feel terrible or... uh, you know, they just, I don't know, some major life event occurred that put them in a state where they're protecting their identity and not, and so you're not connecting with a good feeling with that person. Well, if you cut them out of your life based on that, then, I mean, see you later. You've missed the opportunity for whatever future joy, fun, you may have had with that person. And it goes beyond that because you haven't just missed out on on any future fun, but you have blocked yourself off from being present in the moment, which means your moment is creating suffering for you. And this is where having rules for others is just not an effective way to live if you want less suffering. What is much more delightful is to see people for who they are, spiritual beings having a physical experience, just like I am, spiritual beings whose physical experience is dominating them from time to time. They're finding themselves living from identity. They're caught in suffering every once in a while. And just understanding that that is completely natural and normal and okay. And so we allow them to be that. And in allowing them to be that, it frees them up to start experiencing a quiet mind. There is nothing that will encourage someone or allow someone to have a quiet mind more quickly than understanding because understanding is presence. Understanding is who we are underneath all of this intellectual identity business that gets in the way. Can you see the simplicity of this? 
Can you understand why I'm being so repetitive? Are you hearing it differently now than you did 10 minutes ago? Or have you gotten tired of it and you're just about to say, man, this guy just says the same thing over and over again. I can't listen to this. And so you want to turn it off. And I would understand if you wanted to do that. Because um, identity is not seeking for simplicity. Identity is seeking for complexity. Identity wants to have things figured out. And it isn't necessary for us to figure things out. What is much more beneficial is for us to be quiet and see things as they are, in which case that why, the word that I used at the beginning of the podcast, suddenly becomes answered and it disappears. And every time a why goes away from our experience, our experience of life becomes easier and more fun. And when we get to the point where all of the whys have gone away, then we have reached a level of enlightenment, a level of understanding in which there is little to no suffering. And I I guess that is ultimately attainable for us. It is not my goal. I lived in that for a period of time. It felt really fun. I live in that now every once in a while it feels really fun and it also falls outside of some other things that i want in this experience i want to suffer once in a while i want to feel a little despair once in a while i want to feel some contrast what i don't want to be is afraid of my experience What I don't want to be is to feel like the experience shouldn't be happening. I have a dear friend. His name is Paul Merck. He's just a great guy. And he says it all the time. He's like, I I just don't feel like I'm having the wrong experience. And yeah. And we also get to uh, contribute to creating our experience. So I realize I only talked about really one or two things about how not to live in chronic mental suffering. But those one or two things really encompassed all the things. So when I said, you know, it's difficult to be a person who lives with a lot of rules about how things are supposed to be, well, each one of those rules, each one of them is a point of suffering. And so if I have one rule, then it's valuable to let go of that. But if I have hundreds of them or thousands of them, then seeing them for what they are allows them to fall away, not just one at a time, but many at a time to the point where I see it so clearly that they all fall away. And then I'm left in a state of peace. And again, peace is who I am not something outside me that I seek. I find myself in a state of love. And again, love is who I am. It's not just something I feel. It's not just something outside me. It's not something that is given or taken. It is something that is. I find myself in a state of understanding, which is not something that occurs just in this physical computer called a brain. It's who I am. I find myself in a state of awareness, 
consciousness, seeing more of my experience clearly than I ever imagined I could. And I could go on and on and on about this, but I think this is enough for today. So I'm going to stop and I, I appreciate you for listening. I'd love for you to reach out to me. Um, I have group programs. I have uh, individual programs. If you want to know more, use the contact page. Um, and if you just want this, if this is enough, great. I'm, I'm glad you're listening to it. So have a great day. And again, thanks for joining me in our effort to suffer a little bit less. Bye for now. Bye for now.